0: beauty. Okay, today's daf is Daf Gimel, in Mesechtes Chagiga, and we pick up from Maishna LeInyan Reiyah right in the beginning of four lines from the top of Daf Gimel Amud Aleph. Maishna LeInyan Reiyah. Let's remind ourselves where we're holding now in the Gemara. The Gemara just explained that somebody who can speak but cannot hear, or, or can hear and cannot speak, um, is not going to be chayav in re'iyah, is not going to be chayav in appearing in the Beis HaMikdash on Yomtif, but he's still going to be mechoyev in simcha, in simchas Yomtif, the shalmei simcha, the, the mitzvah of simcha on Yomtif. And the Gemara now is going to begin by asking, and by the way, we have a beautiful daf ahead of us, a lot of uh, mamish, importantly, mudim in life, a lot of agadat Gomara the Gemara as well, the Gemara now asks, four lines from the top, why is it that when it comes to the mitzvah of somebody who only has one or two of these handicaps, we'll call it, they're not obligated, and how come when it comes to that such a person is going to be obligated in the Simcha, the Simcha, the Shalmei Simcha, so on and so forth. Okay, and for the Gemara. The Gemara answers, the Indian Re'iah, when it comes to the mitzvah of Re'iah to the Beis HaMikdash, Gamar Re'iriya let's learn out, the shava Shavar from HaKel. What was HaKel? Right? Every year uh, following the Shemitah year, the eighth year, um, the Elam would gather together, Klai would gather together, and the king would read from Sefer Devarim in the Beis HaMikdash, and everybody had to be there. Now by Hakel it says, dichiv, staytin pasuk hakel gather the nation together, ha'anoshim, the men, the and the women, and the women, and the children, Uksiv, and it says about the mitzvah of Hakel, Bivaikal Yisraeli r-ais. When everybody comes up for yomtiv, you do Hakel. So we have a we have the word Le we have the word Ri'iyah when it comes to Hakel. And you have the word uh, and you have the word Reiya uh, when it comes to reiyah. Hence Only people who are obligated to join in the Hakel are going to be obligated in okay? And somebody who's only deaf but can speak, or somebody who can only speak but cannot hear, does not need to go to Hakel. To which the Gemara says, how do you know? Prove it. You're saying, I don't need to go to Re'iyah because I don't need to go to Hakel. Well, how do you know hakel? You don't need to go. How do you know when it comes to the mitzvah hakel, somebody who's deaf but can speak, or somebody who is mute but can hear, that they're not obligated in the mitzvah hakel? They don't need to show up. So that you will hear and they will learn. The time we learned in the right so of the man yishmu, the man yishmu means why do you have the mitzvah hakel so that you can hear to exclude somebody who cannot hear, even though he could speak. Because it says, why are you going to hear? If you can't hear, you don't need to go. Ulaman Yomadu. And in order to learn, Pratli Shamei Abena Madaber is coming to exclude somebody who can hear, but cannot speak. Okay? Now, what did just you say? You're only obligated if you can learn. Which excludes someone who can't speak. Says the Gemara, if you can't speak, you can't learn? What are you talking about? A mute person can't learn. Frek the Gemara. The Gemara asked, memra, Do you mean to tell me, gemara? a person who can't talk is not capable of, of learning Torah? What does that mean? And I'll prove to you that somebody who cannot speak can learn Torah in a big way. Because listen to this. V'hanutrei ilmi. There were two mutes, the Ahave the the Rebbe, who lived in the Shivavusei, lived in the neighborhood of Rebbe. B'nei bartei Rabbi Echenon ben Gorda. They were grandchildren of Rabbi Echenon ben Gorda. Lah. some people say they weren't grandchildren, rather, B'nei achtei Rabbi Echenon. They were actually Rabbi Echenon's nephews. Okay, but be it as it may, there were two mutes. Now what's unique about these mutes? Listen to this. Whenever rabbi would go up base midrasha, to the base medrash, ha'vei ay livi kamayu, these two mutes got box seats. They took front row seats. Why? Because since they couldn't talk, it was important for Rebbe to see their facial expressions, which by the way, there's a beautiful limud here when it comes to teaching. It's the responsibility of the Rebbe to ensure that the students are even placed physically in a way where they can learn in the greatest fashion. The job of a teacher is not to teach. The job of a teacher is to have the Talmidim learn. So whatever's going to help them learn, that's what you got to do. So these two mutes, he wanted to be able to see their expressions because they couldn't speak back to him. So he needed to be able to read their faces, read their eyes. So they sat in front row. They would nod their heads and articulate with their lips. They would you know, they, you know, they would move their lips and if he was able to understand them, good. And if he was not able to understand them, okay. But he would, they were trying their best. Now listen to what happened. Uboy Rahme He they should have a Rafu Ashaleh, the itosu, and it worked. They were healed. The ishtakah, and it turns out these two mutes that sat in Yeshiva and nobody knew what they were taking in, they knew gan they knew Sifra, they knew Sifri. They were the biggest Tommy they come from all his Talmudim. You had these two kids, these two guys sitting there. You have no clue what Nabuch. The Rebbe no, can't get any feedback from them. They can't speak. And finally, he davens for them. They're able to talk. And it turns out, they're his best students. They're soaking it all in. Perfect. So you ask the Gemara a question, Why are you telling me that people who are mute do not need to go to Hakel? And therefore they're not obligated in Re'iyah because they can't learn. They could learn. <laughs> Look at the story. Amar um, says beautiful It's not only that you're obligated in Hakka you're, so you're able to learn. You have to also be able to teach. And if you can't speak... You're not able to teach the Torah over Ravashi or Ravashi says, "Vadai leman It certainly means that you're only obligated to go if you could teach as well. Why Laman Yomodu, If you're going to read the pasuk. Only that you, you're, you're obligated if you could learn the Kivan mishtoy Mishtoyi Laigomir, and it's going to come out that if you can't speak, you can't learn the Kivan Tle Shama and if you can't hear in a usual situation, you can't learn. If that would be true, why do you got to say leman Yeshmu? Hi, Laman Yeshmu, Nafka. I already learned out from Laman Yishmu that if a person can't learn, they're not obligated. It already says Laman Yishmu, so why do you got to tell me Laman Yomadu? It must be. It's not leman Yomadu, It's leman yelamidu. leman It must be that the words, the the yud lamid mem dalid vav, should be read even to teach. Period. End of end of that shakla uh, vitaria. Now, let's let's say where we're holding right now. We're not completely done with the sugi yet, but let's explain what we're up to right now. What we just explained is let's let's keep our minds in place. Somebody who is deaf but can speak or somebody who is mute but can hear will will not be obligated in rei'ah. why? because rei'ah is dependent on Hakel and by Hakel they're not obligated to go to the Beis HaMekdash why? because they can't teach and you're only obligated to go to the Beis Hamikdash by Hakel is if you would be a person who can also go ahead and teach Torah. That's where we're holding right now. Okay. Amar Rabbi Tanchum, Rabbi Tanchum says, even if somebody is only deaf in one ear, Potter there is not obligated in the mitzvah of appearing in the Beis Hamikdash on the Shalish Regalim Shenamar ba'oz that you're only obligated when it came to Hakel for speaking into their ears. Well, if my ears, in plural, are not taking in the information, I can only hear in one ear, I'm not obligated. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? the word doesn't is not teaching me that you have to be able to hear it in two ears, but the Dekulu Yisrael, it's rather, it's telling me it's got to be in their ears of every Jew. Every Jew needs to be there, but even if they, have, if, if they can hear it in one ear, they should be obligated to come. Says the Gemara, no, that's learned out. How do we know every Jew's mitzvah to come? Because it says, the kohen should speak in front of every Yid. Ela minege, uh, says, if it's learned out from the word then everybody needs to be there I would have thought to say well as long as they're there it's okay even if they don't hear it they fulfill their mitzvah therefore the Torah says which means that as long as they can hear now if somebody can hear in one ear can they hear of course they can hear no problem right So the Gemara says, a question. Why does Rabbi Tanchum say that somebody who's deaf in one ear is not obligated in Re'iyah? Because he's not obligated in Ha'kel, it's not true. Somebody who's deaf in one ear certainly is obligated in Ha'kel. says the Gemara, ha'hu mi laman yishmu nafka. No, that turned out from the Pesach of laman yishmu. And memela, therefore, we're sticking to our guns and we're sticking to Rabbi Tanchum's idea that a person who is deaf in one ear will not be obligated in Hakel and will not be obligated in uh in, in appearing to the Beis HaMikdash as well. Period. End of, end of uh, that back and forth on who's obligated to come to the Beis HaMikdash when you're deaf in one ear. We're coming out. Reb Tanchum says, not obligated. Okay. Another statement of Reb Omar Rabbi Tanchum. Rabbi Tanchum says, Higer Biraglo Achas, a person who is lame in one leg. They're missing a leg. Potterm and Haria, they're not obligated to appear in the Beis HaMikdosh. Why? Why is a one-legged person not obligated to come to the Beis HaMikdosh on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkis? Shenamar, because it says in the Torah, Regolim. Now Regolim we know uh, means festivals. But regalim also means feet. So regalim is regalim is plural. So when you have raglayim, when you have two legs, then you go to the Beisam Bekdash. But somebody who doesn't have legs, uh, two legs, and you only have one, you're not obligated to show up. Says the Gemara, that's not what regalim is teaching me. Regalim is not coming to teach me you need to be two-legged person to come. Vaharigalim iboylei pratlebalei kavan. Says the Gemara, the word regalim is coming to exclude somebody with... with uh, Prosthetics Somebody has got a wooden foot Is not obligated so The Gemara is saying There's a difference Whether you have no feet Or fake feet We'll call it Right Or prosthetic feet So We said the word regola Means you don't need to go If You don't have two feet Says the Gemara That's not teaching me that Rather it's teaching me You don't need to go When you have prosthetic feet So the Gemara says No now we need to explain as follows. It says in the Torah, let's talk outside for a moment. It says in the Torah, three times in a year, the word pe'amim means times, literally, ye eh, you shall be seen. Now, interestingly, we're about to learn a little more Hebrew here. The word pe'amim, if pronounced a little differently, can mean feet. How so? Because pa'amim could mean time, but p'amim also spelled the same way. P'amim is feet. It says in Gemara, "Hahumi pa'amim nafka." Three times is also hinting to feet. The Tanya, what do you mean? We learned in the Brisa, pa'amim ain't pa'amim el raglayim Pa'amim also could be translated as feet. How do you know that? Because we find p'sukim elsewhere. This is a Pesach in Yeshaya. It says, The foot will walk on the feet of the poor. The souls of those who are dal, who are impoverished. The Omer, and it also says elsewhere, another hint to pa'amim, meaning feet. How beautiful are the feet of Claudius Yisrael, the daughters of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara here brings two proofs that the word pa'amim represents uh, represents feet. So, period. So what we're walking away with is Rabbi Tanchum had a statement. His statement was: If you're lame in one leg, there's no obligation to go to the Beis Hamikdash. Okay? If you're lame in one leg, there's no obligation. Says the Gemara, why not? He explains, because it says, Regalim, you need two legs. The Gemara says, come on. The word Regalim does not mean you need two legs. It means you need to have real legs. If you have a wooden foot, you don't need to go up. Says the Gemara, no. The exclusion of wooden legs is learned out from Pe'amim, which means feet. Shalash Pa'am, if you don't have feet, you don't need to go. Oh, uh, so what's Ragulam teaching me? That a one legged person is not obligated to uh, in Raiyah, and he's not obligated to come to Hakel. Period. End of that Gemara. And now the Gemara is going to take us on some beautiful, beautiful different, uh, we'll call it connected tangents, some beautiful incidents, stories, messages. Once we mentioned. This holy verse from Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, of how beautiful are the footsteps of Klau Yisrael, the daughter of the Rabbi Yisrael. Here we go, we're up to Darash Rava. Rava gave a drasha. What is Rava's drasha? He says, dixiv. What is the meaning, A deeper meaning of the Pasuk? How beautiful are the, the feet and the shoes, bas nadiv, the daughters of the noble givers. What does that mean? Says Rava Kamanoim Ranglayam Shal Yisrael, how precious and beautiful are the legs of Clayusrao. Now, the legs of Clayusra, usually the feet smell the most first, right? They get a lot of workout, the feet. If you're, if it's snowing outside, what's getting the snow first? Your feet. If there's dirt outside, what's getting dirty first? The feet. How beautiful are the feet of Klai Yisroel. B'shoa shayin Just look at them when they go up to Yerushalayim. A critical person is going to say, Ah, look at these dirty travelers. But a person who knows how to look at Klai Yisroel with a positive eye, with beauty, is going to say, Wow, you just look at the throngs of people. They're Schwitzy, they have dirty shoes, they've been traveling. But you look and say, Wow, what precious people who are going to serve their God. Bas Nadiv, the daughters of the noble giver, means Bito Shall Avram Avinu. It's referring to the Jewish nation. We are called the daughter of Avram, of our forefather Avram. Shenikranadiv, he is the noble giver. Shenamar Nedive Amimne Safu, all the nations gathered together. Amalike Avram. The nation, the Jewish nation, the God of Father, Leke Avram, Yitz of Yaakov. What do you mean Hashem's the God of uh, Avram? He's not the God of Yitzhak and Yaakov. Ella, rather, Leke Avram, we refer to him specifically in this area as the God of Avram, Shayat Chilal He's the first convert. He's the first person to go and search out the Rabbinah Shleilam on his own. And therefore, it's called in this, in, in, at least in this area, it's referring specifically to Leke Avram. To put a little bit of perspective, I'll quote my bubby. Okay? My uh, my mother's mother, Bobby Per, so um, my uh, my mother's parents had a shul in South Ozone Park, uh, right, uh, Jamaica Queens. Right, there wasn't a, a real uh, observant uh, community there, but there were you know m- most people in the shul were uh, were not observant, and uh, certainly on the high holy days. There were a lot of people that showed up in shul, and the women had their purses, you know, with their checkbooks inside, and you know, it was it was that type of thing. So, somebody and it was it was extravagant. So, so the shul's full. It's Rosh Hashanah, and somebody said to my grandmother, she says, "Mrs. Per, would you just look at all this frivolous waste." All these fancy hats and purses, uh, you know, all the, you know, all the, you know, kind of kvetching about, about, you know, the, um, how the the shul in that time, we're going back to the 40s and 50s, was a, you know, it was a whole to-do, it was a whole scene. People would get all dressed up for it as opposed to coming for God. And my grandmother said, I don't know what you see. But all I see is the word of our prophets. Because the prophets tell us that when the Jewish nation is redeemed from the exile, it's going to be the same as when we left Egypt. The same way we left Mitzrayim, so too it's going to be when Mashiach comes. And when we left Egypt, there was gold, there was silver, there was brand names. We had everything that existed. She said, when I look around my shul and I see all these fancy Gucci, whatever they had back then, yeah, all these hats and the stetsons and there and there, She said, I just see that Mashiach's coming. That's all I see. When people have Baruch Hashem, it's the same as when we left Mitzrayim, right? There, There's two ways to look at it. You could look at a group of yidin going up to Eretz Yisrael. Ah, they this, and they make sure that I don't take the same shower. Or you say, hello, look at this. People are going and they're going to serve their Bani Sholel. It's precious. It's a precious approach. That Rav is teaching us as Jews how to view situations. Give it a good eye. Give, find the good in what exists. What precious people we are. Amar of Kahana. says, D'arash of Bar Yumi Mishub Tanchov. Yumi said the name of Rav What's the meaning of the Pesach which says, V'habar reik en bomayim. This is by the story of Yosef and his brothers. The brothers threw him into a pit where there was no water. You already told me it's an empty pit. If it's empty, that means there's no water in there. Why do you gotta, Why does the Pusik also need a mention? There's no water. Ella Rather it's teaching me, there was no water in the pit, but the brothers forgot something. They didn't notice that. There were snakes and scorpions. They, 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 they thought they were being nice to him, but ultimately there were snakes and scorpions in there and they actually threw him into a place where he should have been killed. But as we know, the miracles that Hashem took care of him They left him alone and ultimately he was sold down to Mitzrayim and Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim and we had the whole story of the Geula. So much to talk about the story of Yosef, but not for now. All right, here we go. Tonu Rabbonon. Their rabbis learned, and so should we. We are now two lines before it gets wide, towards the bottom of 3a Gimelam and Aleph. There was a story with Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broka and Rabbi Loza ben Chisma. They were going together. They were going the Hachbopne Rabbi Shua Pippikim. Rabbi Shua was their Rebbe, and there's, there's a mitzvah on a holiday to go to your Rebbe, to go greet your Rebbe's face. So they came to their Rebbe, Rabbi Shua. Omar Lehem, Rabbi Yeshua says, listen to this, oh, fantastic, fantastic conversation. Ma bebeis Tell me something good that took place in yeshiva today. I wasn't able to go to to go to the beis medrash today. I couldn't come to beis medrash. Tell me, what are they talking about? You he hear this? He he's not able. If we're not able to go to a shul, a yeshiva, like, okay, fine, tomorrow. He's like, i 'm so connected, just just teach me like tell me something they said, Amrou, so the students said to their Rebbe, listen we didn 't come to be given a test. We came to learn Torah by you yeah we 're not here for a for a test over here. You tell us something we 're not telling you something, right Amamar Rabbi Shua says, "No, please." And even so, he the I know there was something that was learned in mezuzas today that was novel, and I missed out. I, I, I I'm so drunk for Torah. I, I just tell me, tell me. I need something. And he keeps going. He says, "Just." He's trying to get something out of them. He says, "Shabbos shomihaisa." No, who gave the shir this week? As we know. There was a whole thing between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Elazar. They took turns. Rabbi Gamliel was the re- was the Rebbe for three weeks. So rabbi Elazar was the Rebbe for one week. He's like, just tell me some information. You know, it's like somebody from your old city comes, you know, some place where you grew up. You know, you grew, you know, and and you haven't been there in decades. And you're like, tell me something. Like, what changed on the street? You know, what's going on? Who taught Torah? Shabash Azariah So they said, okay, it was the week of our Bin Azaria. Haïsa He says, No, so what our ben Azariah say? they said to the Rebbe, Hakel, he taught us about the Parsha of Hakel. So Yeshua says, Okay, Uma quick, tell me. I need to hear. So they told him, Hakel here's what here's what our Rebbe taught us today, Riblaz ben Azariah. Gather the nation together, Hanoshim, the men, va the women, Vataf, and even the children. Said Rabbi ben Nazaria, the men are coming to learn Torah. We get it. There's a there's a mitzvah for men to learn Torah. Nashim ba'us lishmoa, the women are coming to hear because they have to know halacha too. Taf why in the world are you bringing the children? What do the kids know? What are they going to do? They're going to come in and take a lollipop and, and climb the poles. Yeah, they're going to climb up on the uh, climb up on the dais over there on the front stage. Yeah, what are you bringing the kids for? Leave them at home with a babysitter." Rabbi Lozabin Azariah told us, you know why we bring children to the Beis on Kedei <speaking in Hebrew> tzchar To give reward to those who brought them. The kids won't understand anything. But you know something? You put your kid into a productive, holy environment, something will go in through osmosis, and therefore, even whoever brought them gets reward. That's what Rabbi Lozabin Azariah said today. Omar Lehem, Rabbi Shua says to them, I can't believe I had to pull teeth to get that out you are such a precious gem of Torah in your mouth, you wanted to have me lose out on that? Come on, come on. This should be something when you knock on my door and I open it, you should say, Rabbi Yeshua, you got to hear this. Why do I need to say? I don't want to tell you, you teach us. Come on, if you have something to share, share it. And what a beautiful message. For us as well, sometimes we're very inhibited with our Torah learning. We're very inhibited. We hear something good. Here's something Gishvak, you know? And then we hang up. We walk away from the shear. We, we close the book. And it's like, you know, do we turn to our family? Do we turn and say, you know what? Let me share something so precious with you. Let me share something nice, you know? Even if we're not a rabbi, we're not a rabbi, we're not the biggest... Uh, but just when there's something going on in our neshamas, in our right? We should be sharing something that we love should be uh, Should be shared with others, what a beautiful uh beautiful story Darash, and listen to what else her husband Azaria taught them that day so now they 're on a roll once you get going right it 's like Pringles once you pop you can 't stop, yeah once you pop you can 't stop you keep going that 's what they say, except I always needed two pringles because then you could quack like a duck, right you put two pringles in your mouth and you, you upside down you show the kids. Yeah, make them smile a little bit. Yeah, at least two. You need at least two pringles. Okay. And Reblusb ben Azariah gave another drasha. He said like this, Hashem You have praised Hashem today, and Hashem, Hashem. praised today. Why is it say it again? Amar yisrael. God, who says, yisrael, You make me the topic of your praise in this world. And I will make you the topic of my praise in the world as well. How do I, in what way did we, the Jewish nation, make Hashem the focus of our praise? What does every Jew know? This is the one Pasuk that needs to be on the edge of the tongue of every Jew. And we all Many of us are familiar with the well-known story of um, Rabbi Silber, right? Um, the, the chief rabbi of Cincinnati, right after the Holocaust. He was going around to orphanages in, around Europe and he'd walk in and he'd tell them, give me the Jewish kids. And they would say, there's no Jewish kids. And he would say, I'll show you there's Jewish kids. And he'd walk in. And he'd say, "Shema Yisrael, Hashem alokeino, Hashem echad." And kids would pick up their hands over their eyes and cry out, "Mama!" They'd cry. They'd say, "Mama!" They remembered they were two, three years old when they were pulled away from their parents. Nebuch, that they remembered their mother saying, "Shema Yisrael" with them at night. That's why he said one pasuk. And these the the, the Jewish he he said, "Those are my kids. (laughs) I'm taking those, right?" This one puzzle, what does a Jew say every morning and every evening? Shema Yisrael. The, Ani and I will make you, Hashem says. I will praise you, my beloved Jewish people, as in, in this world. Shunemar, as it says, we now turn to the top of Gimelam and Bez. Hashem says, Who is like my children, Kla Yisrael? They are such a special, unique nation in the world. Right? To quote my Bubby Per again, twice in one year. Say what you want about the Jewish people. We're the best the Lord has. Shem's always proud of us. He, says, he points to us. That's my kid. That's my nation. V'yafu posach And he opened up and he started giving a drasha. Divrei chachamim. Kadar The words of chachamim are like dar boinais. natuim, bale netuim. asufos. And they're like nails that are netuim. Planted in the ground. bale asufos. And they are in charge of gathering nitnu. They are given meraya echad from one shepherd. Okay, there is a pasuk in Kehelat, very uh, cryptic verse from King Solomon from Shlomei HaMelech. What does he mean by this? Says the Gemara. The reason why the words of, of Torah are compared to a pointy stick, lomar lecha to teach us ma darvan The same way a pointy stick. It guides the cow, you know, where it's supposed to plow. The axe, the to the plow, so that it plows and the world can have food. Torah, So to the words of Torah, it guides those who learn the Torah. To teach us how to live a life of life. To teach us how to live a life of life and not a life of death. Imad darchunz and metaltal and the same way <clears throat> this pointy stick could be moved after vritayra So, to the words of Torah can uh, can be moved. Okay, meaning it's it's there. It's for a while, but it it, it applies across the board. No matter you could be living in twenty twenty two, and the words of Torah are just as applicable to us now <coughs> as it was thirty three hundred plus years ago. Tamur Laymar, Mishmartai, nails, Imam, Misra Khashavla Yaiser, just like a nail. Only gets less and does not get bigger once it's stuck in the ground. After Vitera so too uh, the when you have words of Torah, you never lose out by having words of Torah. The only place you have to go um, is uh it, 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 it uh, the only place you have to go is up. Tamur Laimar Natuim, it's planted Manatiya after Param Beautiful. Okay, the words of Torah. They Once you start, again, once you pop, you can't stop. It doesn't stay stagnant. It doesn't get any less. Once you have it, it just builds and builds. That's why you, you, we can come to Shul on Shabbos. We have this, this week's Torah portion. We read Tsava this morning, right? I don't know for you. I learned Tetzava this year. It was a different parsha than I saw last year. Right? You go to Shul, you read through the, uh, the, commenta- the commentaries... You're like wow that that was that's I didn't get this last year when I read the parsha you know I I didn't that that point didn't stick out at me and every year we go back I and mean, it's the same verses it's the same words you know it's fascinating but the words of Torah just keep going like you you you, you read it again and you're like oh, something else hit me it's just fruitful it multiplies it's incredible okay balei asufos the pasuk said that. Uh, the, the verse we mentioned from Kohelas uh, said, Bali Asufos, the one in charge of the gatherings, Edu Tomidechom, this is referring to the Torah scholars. Sheyoshvim Asufos Asufos, they sit in groups together, like we're doing right now, Baruch Hashem, right? We're all sitting together and we're studying Torah in groups. Halalu mitam and listen to this. Listen to this. What happens when you have a group of knowledgeable people talking in Torah? Guess what's going to happen? You know what the answer is? That's the answer, right? Halalu Matamim, halalu matar. Half of them are going to say, no. Nah. Impure. The other one say, no, pure. Halalu waistrim, halalu matar. The other one say, no, you're not, never, you're not allowed to do it. My rabbit. one says, well, of course it's allowed. Halalu paistim, No, That's a puzzle, you can't do that. one says, that's nah, kosher. Shema yamir, Adam hechani, lamitari. The is going to say, listen, why am I even learning Torah? This is so confusing. And you know what the answer to everything is? Machogas! <laughs> so what am I doing? Talmud Lomar, Nit Echad. The answer is, all the Torah comes from the same shepherd. It comes from Hashem. Echad Nesonon. It all comes from one rabbi Parnas Echad Amar Kolam There was one Parnas, one giver, one supporter, who gave it from the mouth of... Of Hakadosh Baruch referring to Meisher Abenu, the Chasid by a dabr l'kim is called Vameila. Hashem spoke all these words. Afata asayas nacha. So too, you should make your ear keafre cheses like a it's some, it's some sort of of a funnel that allows pieces to go through ukelecha leiv maven. And you and what is a Jew obligated to do? To acquire a knowing heart, lishmoa as divrei matam divrei When you hear a machlokas, don't just say okay, machlokas, and walk away. No, you know what the responsibility of a Jew is—to listen to both sides, understand both sides, as divrei haosrim, those who are saying forbidden, ves divrei matirim, and those that are saying it's allowed, as divrei poslim, those who are saying it's puzzle. ves divrei machshirim. Listen in, get the reason, get the understanding, okay that's our responsibility, so we listen, we understand every side, and then we come to our and then we come to our own decisions. And Rabbi and said to the other two, the the Torah you're teaching me is so precious, it's so precious and um there's never going to be a generation that's orphaned as long as Rebbelazer ben Azaria is alive. Okay, let's, uh, let's pause for a moment. I just want to share something very practical from my father, Zechariah Lebracha. So when my father was learning in, in uh, the Lakewood Yeshiva by Rebaran Cutler, so he, got, he had just gotten married and he went over to Rebaran and he said, I just got married. I'm a Yeshiva guy. I know Gemara and I don't know how to keep a kosher kitchen. I don't know halacha. I'm just learning gemara. I, I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? What do you say? He, knows, he knows gemara, doesn't know what? How to keep a kosher kitchen. He, oh. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like me. Yeah. Everything, my wife's like, don't put that there, right? I'm like, hey, who's the rabbi here? You know? <laughs> okay. So, uh, Rabaran told my father to learn uh, to take six months and go through all of Chulin with Tor Shulchan Aruch as B'chavrusa with Rav Moshe Eisman. Okay, fine. So my father got into Allah a little bit, and then um, Rav Aaron gave my father smicha afterwards, which is interesting. Rav Aaron didn't really give smicha, and it was during that time where the you know the the Temblers and Feinstein's. My you know I have the the schust to be born my my. Aunt is Rav Moshe Feinstein's daughter. Okay? So the Tendlers and Feinsteins were, lived very close to each other. They were very close. So my father came back from Yeshiva and Rav Moshe either heard he had gotten smicha from a barn. I'm not sure exactly how it went down, but um, Rav Moshe asked my father to, he wanted to Faharim, test him, and give him smicha. He wanted to give my father smicha. Okay. So they, they sat and learned for a while. There's a there's a lot that took place during those 3 hours but this is where I want to go with this. My father asked Rav Misha two two particular interesting questions. And he said to Rav Misha, "Why why do you want to give me smicha? What's the purpose? If somebody knows the answer, say the answer. And if you don't know the answer, zip it. What does smicha do?" It's a good question, right? If you know the answer to something, so you could share what the answer is. If you don't know, so keep your mouth shut. This applies whether you're a rabbi or not. Right? So he asked Mysha, like, what's the whole purpose of smicha? Interesting question. So Mysha told him, he says, it's a good point, he says, I'll tell you what the purpose of smicha. If you have smicha and you make a mistake, you're putter, you're not obligated. Meaning, if somebody comes to you with a chicken, Is it kosher or not kosher? And you say it's not kosher. And it's a mistaken ruling. If you don't have smicha, you're a thief. You just caused somebody to lose $10. You told them it's not kosher. So you stole $10 from them. But if you have smicha and you make a mistake, you're putter. You're not obligated. In shamayim, you're not obligated. Because you had a right to give a ruling. And this applies even in less severe situations. For, I'm not going to call it less severe, but for example, people's time, right? People spend a lot of time on something. It, if a person has the right to give the psak, it's okay. You're not held accountable for that person wasting their time. If you don't, you are accountable. So that's one thing. Okay. So then my father asked her, Okay. Okay. So many things are a machlokas. This is how I want to bring it out around to this Gemara. He says, so many things are a machlokas. You paskin one way, the Chazanish argues with you, you're two G'dayle HaPoskim, two of the greatest poskim in the generation. You go down, you, have, you go to the Rishaynim, machlokas, and the Rambam, and the Ravit, and the Rosh, everything's a machlokas. How do I know what to do? How do I know who to paskin like? And Hermesha told my father, this is the Gemara right here. He said, what you're obligated to do is know who's who. You have to know who's able to argue on the next one. And if you have a legitimate dispute, then it's your responsibility to learn it through on your own and then you can decide who to follow. As long as you have big shoulders to lean on, you decide who to follow. That's it. That's the Gemara here saying from Rabbi bin Azariah. Everything's in Machlokas. But that's not an excuse. We still need to now go ahead and learn to decide for myself, okay, so now who's going to be my Rebbe? Which one do I think has the greatest logic over here once I know who's who? Okay. says the Gemara, continuing on, Why were these two students so hesitant to tell this all to Rabbi, Rabbi Shua? says, The reason why they were so hesitant is because of a story. The story with Rabbi Yisheh ben Bendur Mascus. They went to visit Rebel Yisheh and lud They Tell me some novel idea that was learned in the base measures today. They said that we voted on and ruled that even people who live in the land of Ammon and Moab, they're obligated to give Meiser in the Shemitah year. Meaning, we know in the Shemitah year, everything is ownerless in the land of Israel. So do you have to tithe the growth? No, because it's not yours. So you don't need to give Meiser. But anything that grew in the land of Ammon and Moab, okay, which was originally land that was taken in the times of Maisha Rabbeinu. But later on, it was lost. It lost its status. Its full status as Eretz Yisrael. And even in a Shemitah year, you're going to be obligated to tithe. Omar Low, Rebbe Lez says, Yaisi, Pashit Yodech vekibol Put out your hands and, and accept your eyes. Meaning, cover up your eyes. He says, uh, you know, this, this, is, uh, this is incorrect. He was upset. Pachor Rebbe Lez of Omar... I'm sorry. Pasha Yada V'Kibul did that, and he became blind. Rebbe Lezer cried, and he said, "Said Hashem The secret of Hashem comes to those who, who fear Him, and those who are in a bris with them with Him to let them know. Meaning, Amr Lei, he says to him, "Lech Emor Liman Go tell the people in yeshiva not to get so um, you know so uh, excited about themselves uh, about giving this ruling. And I'll tell you why. And after I say this, we'll pause and explain what's happening here. This is what I accept from Rebbe Yechil HaMezakai. Rabbi, heard from his Rabbi. Rabbi, heard from his Rabbi. Allah Hilchisa, Hilchisa Lamaysha Mi Sinai. There's Allah Lamaysha Sinai. It's passed down. period. Now pause. One second. You know what just happened? The Gemara asked the question, Why did these two students not answer Rabbi Yeshua right away? Rebbe Yeshua said, what happened in Yeshiva? They said, "Ah, eh, we don't want to tell you. We're the, we're the students. Says Gemara, Tell, tell Rabbi Yeshua. You know how much precious Torah was just explained here? So Gemara says, I'll tell you why. They knew a story. And here's the story. Somebody went to, Rabbi Yaisi, went to Rabbi Lezer, And Rabbi Ezra had asked what happened in the Yeshiva. And Rabbi Lezer said, Here's the ruling of the Yeshiva. And Rabbi Lezer blinded him because, ready for this? Who are you to paskin that when it's already been Paskin by all the previous generations? He wasn't even arguing on the halacha. You know what the problem Rabbi Ezra had? He said, go tell the guys, don't vote on a halacha that's been around for centuries. Don't be like, oh, we're the ones responsible for figuring out this halacha. This has been going on for years. And it's a chutzpah that they did that. And therefore, there's like an element of punishment here. It is th- that's why Rebbe Lezer was so upset and they were nervous about upsetting Rebbe Shu. if he were to say what's going on in Yeshiva like oh here's a Chiddush and Rebbe Shua would have said that's not a Chiddush they would have been trouble for them so they preferred to just hold off okay now says the Gemara let's focus on this halacha for a moment Matam, what's the reason the land of Amun and Moab um, doesn't have Shemitah why isn't there shmita by Amun and Moab not done yet. I got another five minutes. Um, says the Gemara: Harbe the There were many cities that were conquered when we came up from Mitzrayim. my but it was not reconquered when we came back up from Bavel. because the original kedusha remained in its place for, like, uh, for that. I'm sorry, kedusha Lishata remained only for its set time, but the Kedusha did not remain for the future, and therefore any area that the that the people from Bavol did not reconquer, did not get its holiness back. Um, and the reason why they left these areas of Amon and Mok, was so that you could have poor people now who receive miser during the Shemitah year. Okay, and this taka was the accepted ruling. Tana, we learned in La la'acharshan is yash vudaitai. How did the story end? You know, Rab Yaisi, when Damascus came to Eliezer and he became blind. how did the story end? After Belezah calmed down, Omar, he said, he wrote some in Yaisi, Yaisi should be able to see again, vachazu, and he was able, his, his eyesight came back, period. Okay, bottom line. Going back to our, there's a lot of bottom lines here, but going back to our original question, we wanted to know why were the students hesitant to share the Chiddush? The answer is because of the story with Rabbi Eliezer. What if Rabbi Yeshua would have said, that's not a Chiddush? Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're playing it safe. Better safe than sorry. That was, that's what the Gemara is letting us know here. Okay, beautiful. gvaldik Okay, we're now at the last thin line on Gimel Amid base. Beis. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis, let's go back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah told us that one of the categories of people that do not need to go to the Beis HaMikdash on a Yom Tif is a Shota. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis. Ezehu Shota, how do you know when somebody is mentally incompetent enough to be in the category of a shota that does not—that's not obligated to appear in the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, what's considered not mentally competent? It's a good shiloh. So the Brizer says, "Hayotse a person who travels at night. Now back then, that was a very dangerous move. Bandits were out. A person who just doesn't understand danger and safety—that's a shota. Ba'alam be'Beis Somebody who sleeps in a base akvaris, okay? Rashi says you did this at night. You slept at balila right? You slept at night. Also, v'amakorey or a person who just goes and tears their clothing. These are all signs of a shota. Itmar, we learned Ravuna. Ravuna says achi kulam You're a shota if you did all three of these. You, sometimes Basahas means at once. This doesn't mean at once. Here it means, at some point you've done these three. You're even called a Shota if you do one of these things. says the Gemara, let's explain, what's going on here? If the person goes, travels at night, sleeps in a cemetery, uh, tears his things because he's just like lost his mind. So as long as he does one of these things, we see that he's a, you know, he's a shaitan. Okay. If it's not done you could have a perfectly same person who he's put up to a dare, sleep in a cemetery. Right? There's no problem. It says, so, so which one is it? it says the Gemara, let's explain. Really, the It was done This guy tore his clothing, slept in a cemetery, whatever. Instability. You'll say that the reason why, he's when you slept in the cemetery, the reason why it was Dumba Shtos is because some sort of hebi Jibi Ruach, some sort of impurity, uh, um, actually he wanted some sort of impurity to come upon him. Whatever. Somebody put him up to some shtick. They told him, if you want to be healed, there's a spirit in the cemetery. You know, convinced them that it's actually a normal thing when it's really not. A person goes out at night, Amor will say, gandripas he had some sort of uh, gandripas, which means he's he suffered from anxiety and he's running from place to place. A person who tears his garments, Amor will say that he's like an Eloi. You know, he's some brilliant guy who's thinking about some deep thing and he just got lost in his thoughts and tore his clothing. Okay? But you can find excuses for these three things. But if a person does all three no, so then have top of tomorrow's daf. Then we consider you kemi'ishen uga'ch shor v'chamar v'gomal. Yeah, there's an expression, right? It's like you gore an ox, a donkey, and a camel. When an animal gores three different types of animals, you become a muad. Yeah, you become. This is very clear. There's a pattern. Vinasa muad la'kol, and you've created a very strong pattern for yourself of a little meshuga. Um, Amr of Papa of Papa says, "Ishmiel either Ravuner heard Tanya. Ravuner heard this brisa. Eza hu shaita, huza shaita. Ze ha ma A person who loses everything given to him have a haderbe. He would have gone back on his opinion because this is the best way to really know." It's um, uh, really no when somebody's a shaita. we will just get to the two dots over here. We we'll get to the colon. Iba'ilu we'll asked the question, searching for information. Ki'avahodarbe when Ravuna uh, would have gone back on his opinion. Mimikareya ksusayhu the would he have gone back about tearing the garments, making you into a, a shaita? The damule because it's uh, it's similar to losing one's things. A'idomo or maybe mikulu hodarbe he would have gone back on all of the on all of the three ways to see if someone's a shota. Tutsu says taiku you know, we're unsure, basically meaning we're not going to know Vuna himself actually tells us. Okay, we'll hold it here for this evening, and with Hashem's help, we will pick up from the two dots, uh, seven lines from the top of Daftalit Aleph tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. Central. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody. Agut